Money Sense is brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group, four-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com and listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group. Ellenbecker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just north of I-94 between Highway 164 and Highway F in the Ridgeview Corporate Park. We also have an office in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building, right across from Winkies, as well as the ability to service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. Of course, we love to service clients in Bonita Springs, Florida in the Wisconsin winter months, um, but we're happy to uh, service you anytime and would love to invite you to visit our offices at any given moment. If you can't stop in and say hi, check out our webpage at www.ellenbecker.com and you can take a tour of our offices at any time. My guests today, I have two guests today that I'm in, excited to introduce you to. I have attorney Jeffrey Stevens and psychologist Ronald Raymond, and uh, they wrote a book together and uh, have a really great background. So Jeffrey is a successful attorney in private practice and has handled many divorces and family law issues. And so we are going to talk about divorce, but we're going to really dig into some areas um, and interests around divorce that maybe you haven't heard people talk about much in the past. And Dr. Raymond is a clinical and neuropsychologist who has been practicing for over 50 years and putting a psychologist with an attorney together and creating a wonderful book that I'm excited to share with you today should be should make for an interesting show. The, the title of the book is Divorce with Less Drama, The Road to Splitsville Paves the Way for a gentler journey. And so I think this is going to be a really great topic for us to dig into today. And with my background as a wealth advisor, as well as a certified divorce financial analyst, I'm very excited to um, have these wonderful people here with all of their experience and knowledge to share with our listeners um, about all, not only, you know, the, the technical aspects of divorce, but some of the softer side of divorce too, and how we can help clients navigate sort of these uncharted waters and remaining as unscathed as possible. So uh, Ron and Jeffrey, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. Well, you're very welcome. And, you know, you cover so many wonderful topics in your book. And uh, one of the first things that I'd love you to share with our listeners is really um, confronting and understanding the why of divorce, of course, in business and in school. And as we talk to kids about careers, we always talk about what's your why and understanding the why is so important. Why is that important when um, talking about uh, a divorce? Well, I, I think from our experience that the why really goes back to looking and really researching for yourself the why you got married to that person to begin with. Because uh, in my experience, and I, I think that you may have had some of the same experience um, in your, your work, but I think that a lot of times we find that the person remarries the same kind of person they got divorced from without really looking at the reason that they got divorced. So it's very important to look at the why we got married to begin with. 
Yeah, that is interesting. I, I haven't heard it put that way, but you know, it is very true. Um, and I think trying to figure out the why is always an important, an important piece. So from your perspective, uh, there's some unpacking that needs to be done there, I suppose. For sure. you know, when I, the reason I, I, I started the book was because I feel that from a legal point of view, our divorce system is a broken legal system. I, I have a problem with the idea that divorces are handled as if they're merely contract actions where they are subject to the same rules and regulations as you would find in an automobile accident case and a contract dispute and what have you. So I really wanted to give people an opportunity to see that there's a better way to go than the normal, I'll get him and I'll get her and I'll take him for all he's worth and you know, I'll take him, you know, I won't give her a dime sort of mentality. And the more I started to outline the book, I realized that half of it was missing because if we didn't address the emotional aspects, then we really weren't serving the people we wanted to serve by creating it where I wasn't. And that's when I got in touch with Ron and asked him if he would collaborate. And that's how this came about. And one of the key things that he did right from the beginning, which I found fascinating because he just sort of gave you the, uh, the synopsis of that. At the beginning of the book, he created a questionnaire. And the questionnaire is really about, as he says, why you got married in the first place. Who was that person? What were the things that attracted you to that person? What led you to the decision to be married? Because as Ron has alluded to, 50% of marriages in this country end in divorce. But worse than that, 60% of second marriages and 70% of third marriages end in divorce, which says, as Ron has suggested, that people make the same mistakes. They marry the same person again and again because they haven't looked at how they got to that place. And so one of, one of the really great things, and people have reacted so positively to this, is that questionnaire that Ron created at the beginning of the book. He calls it the attraction questionnaire, correct, Ron? Yes. And that's really, that's really, I mean, I did it for myself. I've been married for 45 years, very happily, but I looked at it too, because it's really fascinating to see what are the factors that led us into the marriage in the first place and what keep us there. And so that's how the book kicks off. Yeah, I, that's wonderful. I think just on what you're saying, Jeff, we need to look at the great, the greater majority of people who talk with us tell us that they initially loved this person. And I think we got to try in our book, we try to help people see, you know, what happens to the concept of love over years, that it, it just doesn't last by itself. It has to be worked on and developed and, and really, I think, sort of carved out for the difference as people go through in their natural um, growing a little bit older. Yeah, you know, what I find fascinating, Julie, is that so many people that I've represented over the years, and this is not news to anyone who's either been divorced or have friends who've been divorced, they they wind up absolutely despising their partner. I mean, it's not it's not just a little bit of dislike; it gets to real out and out hate. And I say to them, "You do understand that you were in love with this person at some point in time. I mean, you had kids with this person in many instances. You've lived a life with this person. You've traveled. You've you've been together for five, ten, twenty, twenty five years. I mean, we see divorces now, where people have been married for twenty and twenty five and thirty years that we've never seen before. You know, people pretty much by then stick together, but not anymore. We live in a disposable society, so it's really interesting to get a look at." yourself and say, well, yeah, I did love that person and maybe take a little of the edge off of the animosity 
that is so prevalent in so many contested divorce cases. And that's what we're trying to battle against. So how do you work with somebody? You know, are there techniques for dealing with sort of that, um, those emotional factors? Because I think you're right. So many times people go to see an attorney and they're just expecting it to be dissolving of a contract. And, and you've had all these years working with people and you understand that that's really just a piece of it. So how, as an attorney, and then of course, as a psychologist as well, how do you guys um, deal with some of those emotional factors around it? Well, just let me start with that from the legal point of view, and then I'll kick it over to Ron. But when I wrote this book, when I decided to write this book, I also decided that I would take on no more divorce cases. This is not, this book is not a publicity stunt. It is not a pitch for new clients. I said, you know, it's time for me to tell people the truth about what goes on here. So the number one thing is that you shouldn't have third parties ruling the decisions for the rest of your life, such as battling lawyers or a judge who doesn't know you and so forth. And so what I do now is I do a lot of sort of mediations and, and consultations and stuff. And recently I had a couple and I'm going to say this, I'm not giving the names obviously. So I could say that they were worth $125 million. They started with nothing and they had amassed an estate of $125 million. They've been married for more than 25 years. They have a couple of children and they're getting divorced. So I sat them down, they referred to me and I said, look, you know, I could tell you today with a reasonable degree of certainty how this is going to end up because I know the law, I know the jurisdiction, I know the facts of the case. I mean, courts are going to look at how much money you have, how much money you owe, the respective health of the parties, their careers, the children, and on and on. You know, all, listen, you're in that business, so you know all of those factors you consider. And I could tell you, if, if I say, like, here's the spectrum of result, I could probably get you down to about here, which is where this is going to wind up. Now, you could spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on lawyers, and worse than that, you could wind up raising the temperature between the two of you, upsetting your children, making it impossible for you to... to deal with each other in the future where there are going to be birthdays, weddings, marriages, uh, whatever, children being born and so forth. Or you could sit down and try and figure this out for yourselves. And so that's my pitch is that this is something you got married together. You made this life together. You've one or both of you have decided it's over. Okay, fine. I got that. Now let's figure out a way where we can painlessly and seamlessly move into the next act of your life without trying to hit each over, <laughs> hit each over the head with baseball bats or whatever in a legal sense. So, so that's how I come at it from a legal point of view, because I want to save people the strife, the expense and the upset that the legal process, that the legal process unfortunately tends to engender because and I'm not blaming lawyers for this. It's just how the system works. The more contentious the divorce, the longer it goes on, the more money the lawyers make. Why do you want to be in that game? And so then I turn it to Ron, who says, okay, these are the things you need to look at to figure out your next steps. I think in my experience, one of the things we need to look at is that one of the first things that I think people come to me with is they're using denial. Um, they're trying to deny that this whatever went on to create the reason for the divorce really occurred. And I just recently had a woman who said to me, you know, I was thinking that maybe it wasn't so bad that he didn't really mean to hit me. And I said, wait a minute. It seems to me you told me that you went to the hospital with a broken shoulder. And does that fit with he didn't really mean to hit me? You know, and we, we got into talking about the past and 
how many times this had occurred. So there's an initial reason that the person, I think, tries to deny it so that they don't have to deal with the real issue that's going on. And I think that's one of the things the psychologist helps them do is to deal with the issue that really has transpired and created the feeling that they need to get out of this marriage. Yes, Julie, at the beginning of the book, we make it very clear. This book is not meant as couples therapy. It is not meant to bring people back together. We say right on the first page, this is a book for people who have decided to get divorced. And we're going to try and make that journey as painless and as, as comfortable as possible in a difficult circumstance. If you think you could save your marriage, get to a great counselor, great to a, a great therapist, psychologist, see if you could work things through. Ron and I have each been married a long time. We're big believers in marriage, but this book is for people who have said, okay, it's over. And so if it's over, let's figure out a way to get out of this as, as I say, as painlessly as possible. I'll tell one quick anecdote because the book is sprinkled with one and one and a half page anecdotes of different circumstances that Ron and I have encountered where people have gotten divorced and how they dealt with it and so forth. One of my absolute favorites was I had a couple and I knew both of them. He's a doctor. She was a very bright computer scientist. They had two daughters and it was a very volatile relationship. And one day he called me up and said, we've decided to get divorced. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm really sad. And he said, yes, I want you to represent me. I said, well, you know, I can't do that because I know both of you, you're my friends. He said, no, 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 let me come and see you. So he comes over and he's got 17 single space pages that the two of them have created on the computer where they have split up everything from the bed linens to the cars, to the silverware, to the glassware. And he said, we figured it all out. We sat at the kitchen table. This is how we're splitting everything. This is what we're doing with the bank accounts. Do me a favor, turn this into a legal agreement. And I said, well, you know, your wife is going to have to get her on. Oh, no, I'm fine with that. Don't worry about it. Just put it into an agreement. I did. We turned it over to an attorney who represented her, who had the same kind of shock that I had that people could be this sensible. And we went through the whole thing. We created the agreement. And they signed it. And then we went for the divorce. And on the day of the divorce, great punchline to the story, we went to court. And because he was a doctor, we came out. And the judge complimented them. You know, this was such a civil way to do this. And isn't it wonderful you work things out? And we come out to the street. And because he's a doctor, he's got the thing on his on his uh, visor so he could park illegally. And there's this car. He said, hold on for a second. He tells me and the other lawyer. And he takes out, and this is, is the old days, a Polaroid camera. True story. And he says, take a few pictures of us in front of the courthouse. He and his now ex-wife. And we, we say, seriously, he said, hey, we have pictures from the day we got married. We want pictures from the day we got divorced. Wow. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and I want you to know that to this day, many years later, they're still friendly. They have two wonderful and highly accomplished, high-functioning daughters. And there was never any of that strife that people go through. And I'm telling you, this was a tough marriage. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, a bed of roses, but they managed to realize that there's a way to get out of it without causing unnecessary pain for yourselves, for your partners and for your children. And so it's available if people are willing to listen. Yeah, it certainly is. And I think addressing the emotional side of things can be really difficult. Um, but it certainly can make the, the path a little bit smoother. So with that story, we'll take a quick break. The book we are discussing today is called The Road to Splitsville, and it's really a great book, and I think uh, we're going to 
dig into uh, quite a bit more when we get back. So we will return shortly. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group, and I'm excited to uh, introduce and continue discussing with our guests today uh, the road to Splitsville. We're talking about a lot of different aspects that we don't usually talk about when talking about divorce. And um, Dr. Ronald Raymond is going to jump in and share with us as a clinician and a neuropsychologist, talking to us a little bit about the stages of the emotions around dealing with divorce. I think we all know um, stages of grief and we know different emotions. And I'm interested to hear from you, Ron, what um, are the are the stages the same for somebody going through a divorce as suffering other losses? And you talked about denial right before the break, but what are the other stages that one can expect to go through um, when they're navigating a divorce? Well, I think one of the stages that I see a lot is the anger that comes up. There's a lot of anger that develops. Um, and it's really important that one not pursue the divorce with that anger holding over you, that you somehow uh, come to terms with it. And you can't let that focus um, your your future on the anger that you feel toward your spouse. Um, the, the other piece that really I think is very, very important is the the feeling of grief because too often i think jeff was talking about a couple before and one of the things that uh really helped the each of the the people in that couple was that they saw a life for themselves they developed a life after it and we really stress that in the book how important it is to come to terms with yourself and start living you know for yourself rather than for this marriage that just gradually went downhill the other thing I think that's very important is that we sometimes, we talked about love before, that most marriages begin with love. And I think we often fail to realize that the way one loves in a marriage changes with as the people change too. It's not just the initial love feeling that just goes right on through the, through the 30, 40, 50 years, whatever it is. Um, but uh, Jeff, you want to add anything to this? Oh, I also want to say that there, there are clinical issues that can arise once you get past the denial and then the shock and then the anger. And then there's sometimes there's guilt and sometimes there's depression. And Ron handles it very well in the book where he talks about the difference between true depression, like clinical depression, and just being upset. Because after all, there are certain like let's let's take classic examples. One party cheats on the other. So the party who's been cheated upon feels a great deal of anger, a total betrayal, because let's face it, what is marriage really about? People talk about love, but marriage is really about trust. This is your life partner. You have to trust each other with finances, with your children, with the way you conduct yourselves in public, when you're together, when you're apart, and so forth. And when that trust has been betrayed, it's very, very difficult to put Humpty Dumpty back together. And so... Those things really weigh on people, and that helps to feed the depression and the resultant anger towards the other party. What they sometimes fail to see, and I've seen this, I've witnessed this many times and counseled people, is that, and I'm not excusing anyone, don't get me wrong, but sometimes if you have a partner who cheats, 
there may be something in the marriage that was lacking that caused that behavior. Maybe that part, part that partner didn't feel loved anymore. Or maybe the sex life had gone cold. Or maybe the passion had run out. As Ron says, things change. But ultimately, it doesn't help to feed that furnace of anger and guilt and and uh, this this desire to avenge yourself against the party who did you wrong, as it were. It's more important to accept the fact that the marriage is over and now you've got to move ahead. And, and I hope at the, uh, at the end of our talk, because this book isn't all, isn't all about nasty, depressing things about divorce. The last part of the book is really devoted to the point that if you, if you ride with us on this journey, we really feel we can get you to the point where happiness is on the horizon. You know, we, we have different, I mean, I'm a, I'm a novelist as well as an attorney, and so we have different acts in life. You know, they always say movies are broken down into three acts and so forth. But the first act is our childhood, our growing up, our adolescence, and so forth. And then we reach adulthood. And then we reach this act called marriage. But when divorce comes, it's very difficult for a lot of people to realize it's just another act of your life that you need to move on to. And you want the next one to be happy. You don't want to wallow in the misery that's caused by the failure of the marriage. And we really want to get you on that path to happiness. And that's a big part of what the book is about. And I, you reminded me of a couple of things, Jeff. One is very often, I think this, one of the emotions that people go through is the, the feeling of guilt. And uh, that's a really important one to, to work through because so often I have seen people say, if only I had, if only I had, you know, that things would be different, like Jeff was talking about. And you can't live in that if only I had. And the idea of feeling guilty is part of what one goes through, I think, normally. And we try to help. I always try to help people go through that and get over the guilt feelings and realize that what went on went on because of a product of both of them, not just right. one. Well said, because guilt among all of our emotions in life, guilt is one of the most corrosive because all you're doing is living with your eye on the rearview mirror. You can't move ahead if you're going to keep looking back and thinking, I should have, I could have, I would have. That, as Ron said, that doesn't work. So um, I know, Julie, I, I don't want to preempt, but you said maybe we wanted to start talking about the actual process, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that would be great. And I think what people don't understand also, you had mentioned mediation um, a little bit earlier. I don't think that people understand that there is a process that is suited for your own individual needs. And it's not the same for everybody. And so maybe you can, Jeffrey, spend some time talking about that. Yeah, I'll try and be uncharacteristically brief because as you can tell, <laughs> I could run on. But there, 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 are, there are a few different approaches you could take. The first one is, as the story I told you, you could sit at the kitchen table with your spouse and see how far you can get in coming to terms with things. And when you realize you're at an impasse, go get some help. But don't really run out immediately to adversarial attorneys. Don't run out and get two attorneys. First, you may want to get somebody, if it's not a mediator, it's sort of an advisor. And that's the role I like to play now and just sit with people and say, OK, this is where this case is going to wind up no matter what you do, roughly in this category. So let's talk about what could make each of you reasonably if not happy, at least satisfied with the result and see how far you can get. Now, there's a process called collaboration, which is sort of in style right now. And collaboration is where you each hire an attorney with the understanding and the, the express agreement that neither attorney can represent you 
in a contested divorce. So their whole role, they're not motivated then to fight. They're motivated to find a result. And sometimes that works for people. I find it could be kind of duplicative in terms of the expense, but sometimes it works. If that doesn't work, you can then go to a true mediator, which is somebody, they don't have the power to decide, but you go to somebody, and these mediators are usually retired judges, or retired divorce attorneys who really know their stuff. And you go to them, sometimes with these collaborative attorneys, sometimes on your own, the two of you, and you provide all of your financial information, and then you give an outline of where your lives are, and then you each go to talk to this mediator privately. You usually spend a day doing this. And then you sit together, all of you, and the mediator says, okay, under these circumstances, this is what I think is going to happen and see if you can make a deal. So that's another approach that you could take that doesn't become the battering ram, you know, where you're, where you're you know, hooking horns. And of course, the last part of it is if you need to get lawyers to go after each other, here's a tip that you can take to the bank. The lawyer works for you. It is so amazing to me how some intelligent, successful people just become children when they're dealing with lawyers and doctors. All of a sudden, you know, they don't have the reason in their brains to ask questions, to demand information. I mean, if you go to meet a lawyer, you've got to be asking them. I don't care who, re who recommended the lawyer to you. You've got to ask this woman, how many divorce actions have you handled? How many have gone to trial? How many have you succeeded with? Uh, you know, what do you know about this area? Let, let, let's say uh, let's say the wife works for your company. How much do you know about the investment world? Or if somebody's in the entertainment business, how much do you know about that? Ask the questions and just never forget that these people work for you. You don't work for them. So you're entitled to information and you're entitled to get results. Second tip, when you're there, if you don't relate to that person, it's the same as a therapist get up and get out because yeah. this is a person who's going to be carrying your standard into battle. And if you don't have a good connection right from the jump, then you, what's it going to look like, you know, after the honeymoon period is over. Right. So you, this is, you've got to believe that they care about you and that they're willing to do what you need to have done. So those are my tips for picking attorneys, pick somebody with experience, but truly, truly try and go in those early stages through discussion, collaboration, mediation, try and find a common ground and get this thing done. I've had some experience in talking to people who are with a mediator where that is missing, that piece that that person is there for me feeling. Yeah, I think that that's a good point. And I know I've talked to clients in the past as they're beginning down this journey about you need to be able to advocate for yourself. Um, mm -hmm. And that's really difficult, especially in maybe a period of trauma or a period of post-trauma post where advocating for yourself isn't always natural. And you need to follow your intuition. You need to have a connection, a, a a, a culture connection, a core value connection with whoever you select. And that's why we suggest talking to multiple people so that you can really find one that that fits fits the best. But we're going to take another quick break. It's going so fast today. I love what you guys are sharing with our listeners. Um, and we will return and talk more uh, about the book Splitsville, and we'll dig into some more details. So with that, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And if you would like to learn more about the Ellenbecker Investment Group, check out our webpage at uh, ellenbecker.com. You can, if you want to put a face with a voice, 
you can uh, find some more information about me there as well as our guests today. Our guests today are attorney Jeffrey Stevens and psychologist Ronald Raymond, and they have written the book called The Road to Splitsville. And what I think is very interesting about the purpose of this book is that it's for people who have come to the conclusion that the divorce is inevitable. So this is not going to help you decide if you want a divorce. It's not going to help you navigate if it's the right decision. But if you're out there and you're in the middle of a divorce or you've decided that a divorce is inevitable, this would be a great book to pick up, The Road to Splitsville, um, because the intention is once that decision is made to um, help minimize some of the emotional and economic damage that is often done through a divorce. And as uh, Jeffrey was talking about before the break, you know, how, what it looks like to navigate that new normal once the divorce is final. So what I'd really like to touch base on, and we haven't talked about yet, is um, the kids and, and divorce. And what does that look like? We all know that that is the most precious um, result of a marriage. And when you see a marriage terminate, um, there's often these kids that really don't know how to navigate it and parents that don't know how to navigate. It. And I always tell my clients, keep your eye on the end game and do everything you can to minimize the conflict for your children. And so I'm curious as to your perspective on how to deal with adult children of divorce, because that's very impactful as well. You know, we talked about people getting divorced much later in life. That is coined the new in vogue term of a gray divorce. And, you know, people are getting divorced much later in life and their adult children are impacted significantly. And then also how to deal with young and adolescent children of divorce. So I think, Ron, you want to take this one, right? Sure, that's fine. I think one of the things I'd like to start with is that almost all of the children that I have seen who have, whose parents are going through a divorce in some way try to think or feel that it's their responsibility. They created this, this trauma in some way. And so I think that the, our effort as parents is really to, to go after that and make sure the child does not feel that. So I start out when you're first talking to the children, not one person at a time, but the couple should be together. And it should really be emphasized to the, to the child or the children that they did not play any role in this divorce. The danger that we often run into is that parents are too descriptive in talking about what has gone wrong between the two of them. And there's no need for that. The child just needs to know uh, that for some reason they are not responsible and that this is something that went on in the relationship between their mother and father. Now, we go to, we go to children, uh, older children, who are products of the divorce in later years. Um, very often, I think what happens is one of the one or the, the other of the parent tries to get the child to play sides, to take sides. If you'll just talk to your mother about this, or you just talk to your father, um, and you and they also try to rationalize that the reason they stay married for so long was to protect them. And most children have told me that they wish that when they were younger, they used to wish that their parents had gotten divorced. Uh, because there was so much conflict going on between the two of them. Um, I think that another point that's really important, we talked about anger as being one of the focal emotions that occurs during a divorce. And it's very important that that anger toward the spouse, the ex-spouse, is not vented upon the children. And that there isn't anything said about the other parent that's negative. 
even you know because most kids do have a good relationship with both parents during and after the divorce and we've got to focus on that jeff you want to add anything to this no no that's well said I'll add that I think that's critically important. Um, and I think that um, that is something that if we can, as a collective unit, continue to counsel people as they're navigating divorce on how to best um, protect their children, whether they're 50 years old or whether they're five years old, because there is a future after divorce that oftentimes, unless there's extenuating circumstances, that oftentimes um, play a part in both both parts of the family. And so those circumstances will come up as, as we've mentioned in the past in the role of a wedding or a funeral or a graduation or a birth of a baby or a holiday. And so as much as people want to be right, um, it's, it's more important, I think, to be kind and to look ahead at what the rest of the um, future is going to look like as a family, because especially as we've been talking about having children, um, that doesn't change. And so um, it is interesting. And I loved when I first saw this opportunity for an interview, I loved that it was bringing in something that oftentimes is so um, horrendous and awful and negative and, and bring in this kind of positive way of how it doesn't have to be that. Um, so I, I really commend you guys for coming together and putting together um, this information in, in a book that people can rely on as, as they're navigating this. I Thank think, you. I think it's so important to stress to both people in the divorce that you do not talk about your negative anger feelings toward the spouse, the ex-spouse, to the child. That, that It's hard to realize and accept for a lot of people that the child really enjoys going to the other parent for the weekend mm -hmm. or whatever it is. But a lot of times kids tell me I have a good time there because and the because is is a is a, an OK reason. You know, it's not something that needs to be intervened with in some way. Yeah, I, I always I tell people. I, I just go ahead, Jeffrey, that if I may. The because is very often they enjoy going to the parent who isn't bad mouthing the other parent. Yeah. So they don't get any of that pressure. They're just they're there and they're having a good time. And then they go back to the other parent and that other parent, and it brings up something, Julie, that you said, and I love that statement. As you were talking, you, you threw that into the middle of it, but it's so critical, the desire to be right. I have been, I've counseled people where they would rather be right than happy. It's unbelievable, but true. They want to be right. You know, she did this to me. She ruined this marriage. She ruined my life. And they never get out of the ditch. You know, Will Rogers said, if you find yourself in a hole, the best advice is stop digging. Well, they, you know, they just can't get past that wanting to be right. And it carries over into their relationship with the children, as Ron says, where they're criticizing the other parent in the hope that the kids will say, yeah, you're right, dad, or you're right, mom, whichever it is. It doesn't get you anywhere and it hurts you. Big, big part of this book, when people read it, and by the way, folks, it is an interactive book. I mean, it's not long, it, but it's interactive. And Ron has particularly created some great questionnaires that bring to light for you what this is all about, because you have to get in touch with yourself if you're gonna move forward. And if you don't wanna move forward, you're gonna get stuck in the mud. And so, these people who want to be right all the time and are bad mouthing the other parent and are uh, creating problems, the kids don't want to be with them. They don't want to hear it. 
It's bad enough their parents got divorced. They don't want to hear bad things about mom when they go to visit dad. It's just they don't. And so all of that plays into whether or not you're going to get in touch with yourself and be able to move forward from the divorce into the next stage of your life. It's if you want what's best for your family and your children or you want to be right. And I ask people that all the time. Is it more important that you're right? Or is it more important that at the end of the day, you still have a solid relationship with your kids? And of course, they look at me like I'm crazy. And I said, that's what this is going to come down to. And that's when we talk about finding yourself a psychologist, a therapist, a family practitioner that you can work with and make sure that you have friends and support people outside of your family unit, because we all need to share what we're really frustrated and angry about. And if we can do that with someone other than our children, it's going to make for a much smoother divorce process. So um, that's excellent feedback. I think that is great. And when we come back, I do want to end on a high note. I want to talk a little bit about how to handle sort of that loss of love and then what it looks like when you rebuild and navigate the new um, life, which hopefully has um, peace and happiness and uh, growth looking ahead because we know that this is not an easy process to go through, even with your story, Jeffrey, of the best of the scenario. There's, it's still difficult. It's, it's still hard. It's heartbreaking and it's heartbreaking for the families and other people that are impacted. Friends, I, you know, that's really heartbreaking as a friend when you're losing um, a couple that you've done things with. So there is a lot of impact on other people, but I'd like to talk about the hopefulness about what it looks like going forward. So we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back for a wrap up segment. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group, and we are wrapping up a great radio show today um, with my guests, attorney Jeffrey Stevens and psychologist Ronald Raymond. Both have authored um, a really great book, almost like a workbook, as, as we've learned. It's interactive, and it's called The Road to Splitsville. And um, honestly, this is going to help you navigate the road to divorce without making yourself crazy, without making your friends crazy, without uh, making your children miserable. Um, or your lawyer wealthy. So I think this is a great tool. If you have decided that this is in your future, or if you're in the midst of a divorce, please pick up the book. Um, and if you'd like to share this interview with someone else that you think um, might find it worth listening to, uh, you can go to our webpage and search out Money Sense, and uh, the recording will be available for you to share at that point. Um, so uh, I want to spend just the last couple minutes on a on a positive note because as we know someday uh, the divorce will end and we'll have to rebuild a life and what does that look like how do you rebuild your life and find happiness after going through a divorce I think I can start there by saying that I think one of the the key pieces in rebuilding your life is getting to know yourself and really. I think Jeff has put it many times with with me talking with him. You know, you got to get off your behind, off that couch, and you got to start doing something and get out and live some of the life that you have not lived up to that point. That's precisely right. I think that the key to this is you could either sit on the couch and wallow in the unhappiness of the divorce or... And people laugh sometimes when they say this. You could see this as an opportunity. Look, you were married to somebody that you were unhappy with. And that person obviously was limiting your life on some on, in some measure. You were abused or this person was cheating on you or this person didn't appreciate you for who you were. Whatever the story is, 
Forget the story. Let's move forward. Let's see this as a chance to do the things you want to do. Did you want to take an art class? Did you want to play more golf? Did you want to join a church group and meet new people? Whatever it is, get off the couch and get out and do it. Do things that you enjoy doing. You will meet like-minded people. And this is the path to the next part of your life. So I really stress this and people should think about it. The divorce shouldn't be seen as the end of an era that is now going to define your life. It should be seen as the jumping off point for the opportunity for you to enjoy the rest of your life. Meet new people. Find a new companion if, if you can. If you can't, find friends. The friends who were with you in your marriage, the true friends will stay with you. The others, who cares if they weren't true friends? Let them go. But move ahead. As you said, and I really appreciate, Julie, you mentioning what is actually the subtitle of the book, which is, it ends with, um, then discover your path to happiness, because that's what the journey is all about. It doesn't end with a divorce. The divorce is just another stopping point along the way to get you to the life you want. And look at the opportunity you have. You're no longer saddled with this creep that you couldn't stand looking at in the morning or this woman who didn't love you anymore. Whatever it is, you now could go out and do those things that you want to do and be the person you want to be. Life is short. It's linear. Keep going. And that's what we say. Yeah, I think that's great. Go ahead, Ron. I was just going to add that I think it's so important to deal with the anger that we talked about before in dealing with it, to realize that there were some good parts to the to the marriage, too, and to hold on to those, not throw them out and just discard them because you played a role. And that's what you have to realize. You played a role in making those good parts. And that's what you can recapture. Yeah, nobody can take that from you. That's for sure. Well, thank you guys so much. Again, I really appreciated the opportunity to talk with you today. I think this is a, a really great book. I love the concept of coming together and looking at the whole person through the process. So I um, really enjoyed getting to know you both a little bit better. And um, for our listeners out there, Money Sense airs on Saturdays from 2 to 3 p.m. and on Sundays from 12 to 1 p.m. And as I said earlier, if you enjoyed the show or you think you know somebody else who may, please feel free to share this information with them. If you'd like to learn more about Ellen Becker Investment Group and our upcoming events, please visit our webpage at ellenbecker.com or give us a call at 262-691-3200. And um, if you'd like to learn more about the book, shoot me an email, give us a call. We'll make sure to uh, send you some information. But as always, I hope that I have made a difference in your personal and your financial well-being. And remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Enjoy the rest of your day.